guys, Princess here, and we got another episode of Buy Pumpkin. This is it. Um, it's Friday night, and I need to record tonight because I promised to do some things tomorrow, and if I don't do it now, I won't get it done. But it's been a long day. It's already 10.30, and this is late for me to start recording. Um, and like I said, it's been a long day. I went to the grocery store today and um, forgot my mask and they wouldn't let me in. The police were there <laughs> and I had to come back and now my mask is missing and I had to wear a scarf that I could barely breathe in and I had to prevent myself from sassing a police officer because it's not, here's the thing, he wasn't saying anything I don't agree with. I just felt like, I just was like upset at my situation. It wasn't like he was like, he wasn't being mean to me. He was just standing in front of him and like his partner, I guess, were standing in front of the HEB and they were letting people know that you can't go in today without masks and sending people around and back and just being like, okay. Um, and then offering tips. Like, do you have like a piece of clothing you could use to cover your mouth and nose and things like that? And he was wearing a mask too. So like, the, what would be the point of me sassing him when I agree with him? I just don't know. I just can't find mine. What would be the point of me sassing him? So I went home and I got a scarf and I, I just want you to know, I, I, I talked to myself on the way there and I was like, princess, when you see the police officer, you are not to be like, happy now. <laughs> don't do this. Don't get arrested during COVID. Don't do it. <laughs> um, my mom actually sent me a bunch of masks before this even happened, um, they'll be here on Monday, but I don't know why she, I don't know what we were talking about, but she was like, you know, the beauty store has a ton of masks and I'll just send you something. She sent them to me and uh, later that, later on in the afternoon. Oh, talked to my mom this morning. My mom's like, yeah, so you know how we were gonna go on that trip with, um, I guess her cousins. Um, and it's canceled, obviously. But she's like, well, they're just gonna come here for a week. And I was like, excuse you? She's like, yeah, they're gonna drive from Philly. I was like, no, they're not. And she's like, they haven't been anywhere. They're not sick. I was like, I don't fucking believe that because they're willing to drive to Virginia. They're in Philly and they're willing to drive to Virginia. They sound like, they, they sound like they've been going places. And she's like, and like, I guess they plan to do this at the end of May. And I was like, but you're on a stay at home order till at least June. So no, they can't. And so like, I'm like giving it to her because you guys have to understand at the beginning of all this, like when I was like, Ma, you have to stay at home. She was like, I don't want to stay at home. Working from home sucks. I need a new chair. And she's like threatening. Like she's literally calling me from the nail salon. I'm like you can't, she's like, well, what am I supposed to do about my nails? I'm supposed to just, just walk around with bad nails. Meanwhile, these are her natural nails. My mom grows her nails pretty long, but they're her natural nails. Bitch, paint them yourself. <laughs> and then she's like threatening to go on trips. Like she does something for her, um, her Narcotics Anonymous. Like my mom loves a joint. My mom's a joiner. She loves to be in charge of shit. She loves to be on a committee for something where she could tell other people what to do. Like the party planning committee for the office. My mom's D'Angela, okay? <laughs> she loves to be like, green is for horse. Like my mom loves that. And so, 
my mom loves to, I, my mom loves to be like, well, I'm in a fight with so-and-so and I find out it's about a church committee about what kind of punch to serve. <laughs> so, so my mom's a part of, she's very uh, active in her Narcotics Anonymous. Um, it's not a group organization. Okay. So one of the things they do is they put together, um, like essentials for, um, addicts in a raw, in a rough place, like in homeless shelters. And they serve that community as they try to get, basically they try to develop a rapport. And then when people are ready to get help, they they're there to be like, well, here are some resources. So they work with the homeless community. They work with, um, shelters that, um, that help addicts, um, they work with like, like all kinds of organizations. So they're, they're making these packs and stuff. And my mom's like, well, I have to drive to North Carolina. This is the beginning of all this. And I was like, no, you can't drive to North Carolina. And she's like, well, I have to, because people need me. (laughs) So, (laughs) so she actually fucking did that. And this is, this is in the beginning of March. And I was like, you can't, you can't do that. You really need to stay at home. And she's already working from home at that point. And so then she gets back and then she's all like calling me talking about, are you staying at home? You know, staying at home is very important. I'm like, you literally called me from a nail salon last week. And now all of a sudden you're telling me to stay at home. I've been at home, bitch. And so, so now she's telling me someone's going to visit. So we went back and forth and then she goes, you know what? I don't even know why I told you that. I was just joking. And I was like, no, 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 no. This is something my mom used to tell me all the time as a teenager. Don't play me, play Lotto. It's a, you have a better, you have a better chance of winning. And that's what I told her. I was like, you're lying now. You're literally lying to me. So I, so I'll stop talking and I'm not. And she's like, they're not coming. I was saying they're going to come after the quarantine is over. That's what I meant. I don't know why you, meanwhile, we're going back and forth at the time. So I get off the phone with her and I immediately call my dad who's downstairs. My mom's upstairs. She's off on Fridays. And my dad's downstairs in his living room working because he has to work on Fridays. I immediately call him and he's like, hello. And I'm like, Big David. That's what I call my my stepdad. His name is Big David. It always has been. I don't feel comfortable calling him dad. I don't call anybody dad. And his name is David. And he finds it incredibly disrespectful for me to just be like, hey, David. And it's because I he's been my stepdad since I was like seven, six, seven years old. So Big David until he dies. That's That's what we call him. Everyone calls him that. So, um, I was like, big David, listen, I just talked to your fucking wife. She's talking about some people coming to visit for a week and you know, that's, that can't happen. And he's like, uh, you talking about so-and-so he's talking and he names the people my mom was saying, he's like, well, uh, no, they're going to come after quarantine. Your mother didn't say they were coming before. And I was like, no. And they need to wait a month after quarantine before they, before they leave States. And he's like. He's like, okay, okay. And I said, listen, um, I just want you to know that if I find out that mama has like allowed this to happen, I'm going to call the fucking police on you guys. And you know, I don't say that lightly. <laughs> I will fucking join Facebook to see if you posted pictures of somebody in your fucking house and then call the police. And my dad's like, well, you ain't get to say all that. <laughs> and then, so I get off the phone with him. He's like, they're not coming. Your mom, you know, your mom's crazy. She says a lot of stuff. She, she, cause my dad has, um, God, what does he fucking have? I can't really say it. it. I can't pronounce the word right, but he has basically scar tissue inside his lung. And then it, it, 
decreases his lung capacity. He has a hard time breathing. He has to have breathing treatments. He has to wear CPAP at night. Um, he is exactly the type of person who can't catch coronavirus. <laughs> so, I mean, he is going to die. And I told him that I was like, and you know, what's going to happen. She's going to be running around here willy nilly. She's going to get coronavirus. She's going to give it to you. She's going to live and your ass is going to die. <laughs> and he's like, uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, he's used to my mom. So, I mean, he was not at all like shocked by me calling up there and call the police and, and prophesizing his death, <laughs> but it's not happening. 30 minutes later, my mom calls me and goes, so you called my husband, huh? And I was like, yeah, I did. I did. Cause you was how crazy. You see how crazy all the fucking phone. And she's like, they're not coming. I told you they weren't coming. I was like, I just want to make sure. And, and I told her I would join Facebook again to check on her photos to make sure she doesn't have any fucking visitors. And I know she doesn't know how to exclude me from seeing her pictures. And I'm going to text my niece after this and my 17 year old niece. And well, she's about the 18, my 17 year old niece and tell her, uh, don't teach Nana how to, how to block me on Facebook because it's for her safety. So yeah, that's, I was dealing with that all morning and I need to record a podcast. Oh guys, did you see the fucking Tory spelling is charging people $95 a pop to talk to her on um video chat. And I saw like people were tweeting about it and they were like, why would she do this? People don't even have any money right now. Doesn't she care about her fans? What? I want to know why people are overthinking this. The bitch is broke. She is broke. And I'm talking about this because I used to have a podcast called Spelling Tea. And sometimes, and it was about Tori Spelling. It was an exploration of Tori Spelling. And it was very niche. Maybe you know it, maybe you don't. And um, I, people trying to figure out her motivations, they're like overthinking it and thinking that she's like, oh, she's a celebrity, so she thinks $95 is nothing. No, she's broke. She was probably supposed to open some grocery store in Thailand and that shit got canceled and that was going to be a big check for her and she's broke. And like, that's it. That's the whole fucking thing. She makes the bulk of her money off like appearances and hosting gigs and Instagram. That's how where she makes all her money. And both of those are slow right now. I mean, the appearances are non-existent and the, and the uh, Instagram things are probably slow. So yeah, she's trying to get her rent. She's trying to um, keep her lights on. That's what she's doing. And it's tacky. It's not complicated. It's just tacky. And so that went on this week. What else? I think that's it. I did a bunch of bonus episodes. Um, I did a Real Housewives of Potomac bonus episode. Um, In the feed, you should, in the main feed, you should just start the Tiger King bonus episode. I plan to do. a ask me anything bonus episode right before we get to um season three of by pumpkin because technically season two is over um so just some show business here since season two is over i gotta move on to season three but i got i want to cover something that you guys want to hear about and i put up a little um post on the instagram it's called by pumpkin podcast it's at by pumpkin podcast if you go over there and vote it's between growing up gaudy it's between um little women atlanta and there's one more i think i forgot oh bad girls club season four and like liz was saying it's all about what you can stream what you can find to watch there are a couple of things i wanted to do that i can't really find or that were there last month and aren't there this month and so i'd like you guys to comment on whether your um 
on what you'd like to see next. Um, at some point I plan to put together a Google doc that you got, that we can, um, that I can show you all the things I'm thinking about doing and, and you guys can sound off on what you want to hear and what you don't. Um, I'm also thinking about doing, so I want to talk about John and Kate Plus 8, right? I want to talk about John and Kate Plus 8, but I want to, because those episodes are, even doing the last season before, even doing like important episodes, even if I went through the whole series, which is what I'm kind of thinking of doing, which is why I'm talking about this. Even if I went through the whole series and I said to myself, I'm picking out this episode. I'm picking out the episode where John tells Kate to get the stick out of her butt. I'm picking out the episode where they're fighting uh, while doing um, Christmas shopping. I'm picking out some episodes from the last season. Even if I did it that way, a John and Kate plus eight was like, a, was it a TLC show? Yeah, it was a TLC show. They're boring, guys. You, you, I'm not going to get a whole season out of that. I'm not going to get, I'm, it's, they're going to be really boring episodes. So you really have to pick and choose what you want to talk about, or you have to talk about three or four episodes at a time. And so I'm thinking about doing a limited series on Patreon of just bonus episodes for John and Kate plus eight, starting maybe starting in May. And yeah. And also keeping all my bonus episodes up there. I'm going to start running ads on the podcast soon. So at that point, I'll let you guys know. And if you're a Patreon, you'll get ad-free content. So I guess what I'm saying here is you really do need to be a Patreon su subscriber. Um, it's only a buck a month and you can go to buy pump. You can go to patreon.com backslash buy pumpkin to join. You help me keep the lights on here. You help me continue to be able to do this podcast. Um, not to be ungrateful or anything, but right now I'm still working. Um, uh, if you listen to my princess diaries bonus episode, I posted last week. Um, I, I had to like lose some money from my biggest money source. And, but for the most part, I'm still working the same amount I, I was, and I also have all these kids at the house. And so I'm not busy. It's not, I'm not, not busy. Like, like Liz is talking, Liz is doing tons of podcasts and, um, but it's because she has less things to do, but I have exact same or more to do. So it's hard to be like, I'm going to do more bonus episodes, but by supporting the Patreon, you, it means that I can, I can do bonus episodes and, and turn down like some smaller things and say, no, I'm going to leave more room for my podcast. Um, that's, I mean, that's the whole thing about it. It's only a buck a month. Um, and sign up if you can. And if you can't, please leave me a five-star review, please. I want other people to find my podcast. I have pretty good numbers, but I mean, nothing to write home about, but I have pretty good numbers and I'd like it to grow. I'd like other people to be able to see. And the best way for other people to know that they should be listening to me, the best way to to be seen on like iTunes charts and stuff is for is for you to give me a review. It only takes a few minutes. Very easy. Five stars. The other ones don't work. Just five stars. That's all they allow you to give right now. So, <laughs> so yeah, I think that's all the show business. So yeah. So right this second, what we're, what I'm recording is kind of a wrap up of season two. Liz suggested it. Liz has a bunch of like, um, dirt on me that she holds over my hand and forces me to do things. She's got the tapes. She's got the nudes, she's got them. And she's like, you need to do um, a season two wrap up of this like arc. And I was like, I don't know. And then now I'm like, I gotta do it. So 
that's what this episode I'm recording now is. And so I had to watch all eight episodes and kind of condense them down. It's a lot that happens, but also nothing happens. So, and that's, I think those are the hardest things to recap because it can be super hard to be like, okay, so what should I talk about here? If, if something good happened and you're like, yeah, it's obvious what I should be talking about. But if it can be kind of boring, you have to kind of pick and choose. So I'm going to do this wrap up for season two as a bonus episode that's going to be on the main feed in between season two and, okay, well, this is very complicated what I'm saying here. Because when I'm talking about I'm doing a wrap up for season two, I'm doing a wrap up for season two of Breaking Bonaducci. But this is a bonus episode that is going to be on your main feed after season two of Buy Pumpkin. You see how it gets confusing there? You see? And then I'll have one more bonus episode that'll appear on the main feed. And then we'll start season three based on what you guys kind of figured out you wanted to do. Like, it's so interesting how you fall down these holes of these niche reality TV shows and what they mean to you. And like Kara from Everybody's Business But Mine posted like, she does little top reality moments where she talks about things that happened. And, and one of her reality moments was when Hulk Hogan was like oiling down his daughter in like the most sexual way ever, like literally in her butt cheeks. And it made me think, oh my God, Hogan's Knows Best was such a good show of Florida fucking trash. And I don't mean that like, if you're listening to this, you're and from Florida, you're trash. I mean a very specific type of person who is Florida trash. Think Jenna Maroney from 30 Rock, okay? They were very specific. Like, I live in Texas, um, and when you think of somebody who lives in Texas, there is a stereotype that you think about that who's from Texas, loves Texas, bushed down, like very conservative, like, but I don't fit that stereotype even though I live here, but I'm not I'm not gonna pretend like that stereotype doesn't exist. We know she's got high hair and an accent. And she thinks she's whiz on crackers is a fucking hors d'oeuvre. Oh, actually, she doesn't know what a hors d'oeuvre is. <laughs> anyway, um, the Hogans were very much Florida trash swamp family. And it was so good. And I want to say their last season or the season before the last season is when Hulk and Linda broke up. And Linda started dating um, the brother's best friend, like one of his friends. And... Brooke took her dad's side. The brother went to jail. Like, dude. And they all look like photo negatives. Like, this really just makes me excited for the future of Buy Pumpkin. Because a lot of times, like, with Spelling Tea, people told me, like, you can't. How many how many episodes of Spelling Tea are you going to get out of it? And I got a year out of it. And I think I could have gotten another year. The only reason I got a year, only reason I didn't finish, I didn't continue with the podcast is because we were at a good stopping point and I'd just gotten super busy and um, the the network was rebranding and I just felt like I was such a small little thing in their, in their arsenal that it would be a good time to end it then. I had content though, but even with Buy Pumpkin, people are like, how how long can this go on? And, and then I think about the fact that like, Shows like Little Women Atlanta exist. Hogan's Knows Best. Like just, I don't know. I just feel like 
mob wives. I haven't had a chance to talk about mob wives yet. You know that um, there's a, Karen Gravano has a new show. Like she's been trying to push it with VH1 and it's because her sister was the creator and producer, executive producer behind Mob Wives. And so she has connections and things like that. But she's, they're doing a show where her daughter Karina, they're trying to keep the mafia away from her or whatever. And I was like, I'm a completionist. I will watch this show. But I just can't right now watch Karen Gravano talk about the lifestyle over and over and over again. I can't do it. I can't do it. And and she's hard to take when you don't have Dreeter <laughs> breaking her up a little bit. It's She's real hard to take. And also the, the ridiculous idea that her daughter, Sammy the Bull, is known for his, for being a big snitch, okay? For killing all these people and turning on them and turning on um, John Gotti. Was it John Gotti? I think it was. Whoever the boss was at the time. And like causing him to go to jail. And, and this was many years ago, okay? So the idea that Karen's half black daughter has any connections to, again, I'm using my quotes, the mob and what, in what Sammy the Bull knows is fucking ridiculous. First of all, she's half black. Racism, okay? Racism. Mafia is racism, okay? There's no fucking way. Secondly, it doesn't exist in that way anymore. And thirdly, you've had her on a reality TV show since she was a small, since she was young. She was really young when Mob Wives came out. And I'm not saying she, she it's impossible for her to get tied into some gangsters doing credit card credit card fraud or bullshit like that. I'm not saying that she can't, she can't be involved in gangs or whatever, but I just think it's, I think the premise of the show is flimsy. And so, and again, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to fucking watch it, <laughs> but I'm just saying the premise is flimsy. Oh, one more thing before I get started. And I do need to get started because I did promise these kids pancakes in the morning and they get up at the butt crack of fucking dawn. Um, Total Bellas is back. And for those of you who don't know, Total Bellas is an ETV show about the Bella twins, Nikki and Brie. I think their last names are Garcia something. Um, I didn't know who these fucking people were maybe four or five years ago. I didn't know who they were. I don't watch wrestling. I know I've been talking a lot about The Miz, but I don't watch wrestling. It's not a part of my lifestyle. Hear that, Karen? The lifestyle. And it's not a part of my lifestyle. But many, many moons ago, I started watching a show on E! called Total Divas. And it's about the women's division of um, WWE. And even though I know nothing about wrestling, I found it interesting to me. I... I, I just found the whole concept interesting. I really loved Trinity and her husband, John. He's one of the Uso brothers. I just, I really loved. And then that's where I found out who the Bella Twins were. I had no clue. And they become very, very popular. And they got a spinoff. Nikki um, Bella was engaged to John Cena. And I mean, that's over. Now she's engaged to Artem, who's her, I think she's having a baby with him too. Um, 
who was her partner on Dancing with the Stars when she was still with John. And like, I really like this show. It's the perfect thing for me to be watching during this time. First, they're not talking about hand sanitizers or masks or when we'll be able to leave. It's just like, I don't think any of the storylines are that real. They're, most of the storylines on, on there, they, they follow the Kardashian uh, theme, and they should because they're on E, where there is a storyline, okay? And the storyline is often related to current events while they're filming because they are famous enough that their current events are in the news, okay? So, or in gossip news. So they have one storyline that's real-ish and relevant. And then they always have like a B storyline that you're like, this did not happen. You guys did not hide in the pantry for two full nights and then hop out to scare Brian. Like that didn't happen. But okay, we're gonna pretend like it happened. And so, but all I'm saying is it's mindless fun. It's back. Um, I was tweeting about it. You guys should follow me on Twitter at OkayThenPrincess. Um, you'll get all my crazy tweets. But the first episode I was watching, they went lingerie shopping where Nikki was like completely nude. Uh, she was very naked. <laughs> but she was trying on lingerie. And I was like, this is a new lifestyle for me. You hear that, Karen? Lifestyle. <laughs> this is a new lifestyle for me. I don't know. I didn't know you could just go to a lingerie store and put your puss on the panties and not buy them. Like, this is, is this reality TV show magic? Is this one of those things where she had bought all those things or the, our production had or something like that? And then they just left. Because she comes out and she's wearing, like, wild underwear and she's got her boobs hanging out and stuff. And I was like, I didn't know you could just put that on and then just leave it there at the store. Anyway. I'm rambling, I'm rambling. It's 25 minutes in. I'm still haven't started. And I keep saying I need to get, to get started because I do because I have a lot to talk about. But yeah, I, I would recommend you guys watch Total Bellas. I might go and do a season of Total Divas um, some way down the line. But it's enjoyable. It's mindless. It's, it's, it's good for right now. Another thing, see, I, I guess I'm incapable of moving on but another thing i've been really watching i've been catching up on 911 and 911 lone star which is the one set in austin um with with rob lowe and Liv tyler i don't know how much they fucking paid those guys to fucking do that show but 911 is a ryan murphy joint and you see ryan murphy's paws all over it because it reminds you a lot of nip tuck if you were ever a fan of nip tuck the way they do scenes is a lot like Nip Tuck. The structure of the stories. Um, fuck, they got Angela Bassett for the original 911 and Peter Cross. Is it Cross? It's the guy from uh, Six Feet Under. They got some good people. So they've got these great things like in, in 911 Lone Star, there's a, a trans man on there um, and a, uh, a, a Muslim woman who works as a firefighter. And like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds terrible the way I'm describing it, but it's perfect DVR stuff. You can easily watch four of these episodes. It's ridiculous. It's campy. It's not that serious. Um, I always, I love how it's like Law and Order, how at the beginning someone's just doing something normal. You know how in Law and Order, the two people arguing while, while walking a dog, they'll always find a body. It'll be like this too. It'll be like, She's winning an eating contest. And oh no, she drank too much water and it's, her bladder's about to explode. The MT guys are there. Like, 
So if you get 911 is is still in its season and the new episodes are playing. 911 Lone Star is on Hulu. If you want to watch something to take your mind off of it, of everything that's going on, try those. Don't take them seriously. Don't say, how can she flush a newborn baby down the toilet and they find it in the pipe and still be alive? Don't, there's another in 911 Lone Star, I think a woman is pregnant and gets in a car accident and the baby shoots out and into a tree. <laughs> don't think, don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. <laughs> Just let it happen. <laughs> it's, it's, do that. And then the last thing I'm going to say about TV right now is I've been, I've been trying to find things to rewatch and it's hard for me. 30 Rock, I know, I just know it like front to back. Um, Golden Girls, again, another thing I know front to back. And I recently did like a huge um, rewatch of Designing Women. Um, Designing Women is my shit, okay? Um, but, oh, and um, One Day at a Time, it's been saved by some off-brand network on cable. You can watch it. The episodes are new. Go watch it. Uh, there's a great masturbation episode. <laughs> but um, I've been trying to rewatch things, and like I can't rewatch Parks and Rec because as much as I love Andy Dwyer, I don't like whatever the fuck his real name is, and I don't like that he's lost all this weight and become like a Trump uh, supporter. Chris Pratt. That's his name, Chris Pratt. Um, I like my Chris Pratt's chunky, a little doughy, a little fluffy, and quiet. And <laughs> watching Parks and Recs is so hard because Andy Dwyer is such a big part of it. And every time I see his face, I groan now. And you got NZ, I'm gonna say it wrong. And Z's and sorry, I'm not saying it right. And I can't, I don't, I'm too tired to like be like, give the right princess. You've got Louis CK, Louis CK on there. You've just, it was such a good show. But rewatching it some is hurtful. And I, so I can't rewatch that. I tried to rewatch, cause I never finished The Unbreakable Kimmy Smith. But guys, that first episode is terrible. And that Matt Lauer stuff doesn't age well. Especially when he's talking about how women will do things just to be nice that they shouldn't have to do. Ooh, Matt. So yeah, if you guys, I'm, that's, that's basically what I'm watching, what I've been trying. If you guys know of some things to be binging right now, make sure you come by my Instagram or my Twitter. Tweet me at OkayThenPrincess. My personal Instagram is OkayThenPrincess. Right now there is a work princess picture. I need a work princess photo. Um, and so I found one, but um, listen, work princess is nobody to fuck with. She will call HR, okay? And <laughs> oh my goodness, when I used to work in an office, I was such a bitch. <laughs> Don't even think about inviting me to that potluck. Don't even think about it. <laughs> um, but yeah come by my Instagram or my Twitter and like, give me some recs for some things to binge that hold up. Well, I, I couldn't even get past the first episode of unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Um, and let me know if you're like watching things like one day at a time, nine one one total Bellas. Let me, let me know what's going on with you guys. Okay. 
I'm 31 minutes in. Let's get started. <laughs> so the thing about season two of Breaking Bond Aducci is the first season was very popular, incredibly popular. And by the time he's, when we get to season two, Danny's kind of reveling in it. Remember, he got fired from his radio job a few days after filming of season one. So like, I'm sure he was at a low place. And then this the, the show started airing and people are just like going crazy over him. This starts off with him in a VH1 award show. And I forgot what it was. It new now next. It was something stupid. VH1 used to have a reality. And it, and it said the biggest reality show of 2005. And in this shot, we see the Hogan's. It's presented by the Gotties. Bobby Brown is on the stage and the winner is Bo Bryce. This is all reality TV gold right here. And I guess Danny doesn't win, so he skates for shirtless, shirtless onto the stage. Um, by the way, we saw we see him and Gretchen walk the red carpet with Isabella. And I'm going to go on record as saying, I hate when people bring children to award shows. I hate it. Yes, even Beyonce did it. I hated it. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> that's it I don't I don't know what they're doing there I don't find them cute um I have children I have a lot of children everybody knows that I don't find children in places where children aren't supposed to go or where where you don't expect children to be cute I like if I was at a strip club I wouldn't expect a child to be there I don't like working in an office where people bring their children to work I'll bring my children to work because I don't want them here so I don't want your children here either. I'm trying to use the fucking copier, Susan. Get your kids pull up off the fucking copier. I, I, I don't find the shit cute. I don't like going to book club meetings where people bring all their kids with them and then they, you have to keep going in the room to tell your kids to be quiet because they're in there playing with you. I don't like that shit. I just don't. And... Part of the reason is that I don't like it because I don't always think the kids are having fun. This is the same reason why I don't like dying dogs, okay? People have fought me on this. I'm not saying you can't die your dog. I'm saying I'm never going to die a dog. And the reason is that for most dogs, going to a groomer is a significant experience. Um, there are lots of other dogs there. Um, it can be a little scary. They're asking them to sit in places and do things that they that are counterintuitive to their instincts, right? Um, letting you touch my belly is, and I don't even fucking know you, and you and you've got this thing that's buzzing is counterintuitive to my dog instincts. I'm not saying people shouldn't go to the groomers; they should. But anything that I can do to make it easier for them is good for me. And any and so anything that you want me to do that makes it takes it that makes it take longer and it's just for my pleasure as opposed to the dog's pleasure is a no for me. So, and like, obviously if someone's dying dogs, they're using vegetable based dye. I mean, they wouldn't use something that's toxic and would kill the animal unless they're fucking Farrah Abrams. But like reasonable people that do things like that with dogs are using dog safe products. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that if it's just for me, and the dog gets nothing from it. And there's, and there's like, like the grooming itself is important because of heat concerns. Um, when they get matted and stuff, things can get in there. Um, if you have an inside outside dog that goes outside and plays and does all that and he drags shit back in, it can be unsanitary. I get like all that. 
okay? So that's why I believe in grooming dogs, but my dogs anyway. But if, like clipping nails and things like that. But if it's just for me, I don't want to do it. And I feel like when people bring kids to like award shows and things like that, it's more about bringing an accessory and being like, look how cool I am with my kid. Then it, like when Kanye and Kim brought North to the fucking fashion show, it was because you thought it'd be cute to have her there. She's screaming and crying the whole time. She's disrupting the whole thing. She doesn't want to fucking be here. And if she didn't want you to leave and you felt like you couldn't leave, then stay your fucking ass at home. That's how I feel. Stay your fucking ass at home. Stay home with the kid. I think that's a great idea. But do not bring the kid here. When I hear stories of Tom and Katie's wedding, not, not Vanderpump Rules, the real Tom and Katie, cruising homes, of their wedding where Suri, 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 was on the floor of the bathroom and people were talking to her like she's an adult because Scientologists believe that children, are their spirits are grown or whatever. It raises my hackles. Why is she at the wedding? She's, <laughs> she's what, six, eight months old? Why is she even there? She can't remember it. Apparently y'all don't have nobody to fucking watch her. She, her diaper's wet. She's on the floor of a bathroom, which is the nastiest place to be. I don't care if you are in Venice in a beautiful church and it costs a billion dollars to rent the bitch. The floor of a bathroom is disgusting. She's crying. Why isn't she at home or at the hotel with the nanny where she could be dry, clean? There's not all this noise. There's not all these wild people with a, probably too much perfume uh, all around her. Why isn't she someplace where she should be, where it makes sense for her to be? That I'm on a rant. I'm on a rant. But like seeing Isabella on that fucking carpet pissed me off. I was like, take her fucking home. You only have her here because she's like a bag to you. And this is also why she thinks that she's in charge of your relationship. She thinks she's a third party. She, you're in a throuple with Isabella. And so you guys are going out, then Isabella must go too. Ugh. Um. So in the first, at the beginning of season two, Danny goes to Mexico City. He's promoting the show um, in Latin America. He's... He's also doing like the filming of, I guess the theme, the theme footage of, for this show. It's not a, it's, it's, it's not a theme song. It's the intro to the show, I guess is what you call it. And during this intro, he's on a roof holding a bottle of what I believe to be fake whiskey. What's, it's gotta be tea or something like that. And he's taking swigs from it and it looks like he's going to fall off the roof. And so they're filming him do this, which first of all, I think is bullshit. Can you imagine being... He's telling people he's seven months sober. So can you imagine being six months out of rehab and in order for you to do your job, which is make this reality TV show, you need to reenact yourself doing drugs. Imagine if, Liz, I know you're listening to this. Imagine if Six months out of rehab, they were like, okay, Liz, I just need you to go pretend to do heroin. <laughs> like, we're just going to film that. Let's just look fucked up. Look fucked up. Look like you're, yeah, like you're on a bender or something. Look like that. 
and here's some fake heroin. Roll the cameras. Let's do it. I don't... I've said this before. I'm probably going to say this again throughout throughout this particular episode because there's a lot that goes on in season two. I do not expect... As an addict, you can't expect the world to... to work around your addiction okay if you're addicted to drugs if you're addicted to alcohol people are going to drink and sometimes they're going to drink in front of you you're sometimes you're going to be unavoidable you're going to be places where people are doing a lot of drinking and especially if you work in the fields that danny works in i get that but i do not understand why no one said no we can't do this actually i do understand i bet you danny said he could do it because I just think he's and he's swigging from it and then at some point they're like asking him to get down because they're done and he gets on the edge of the buildings running down and they're like because before they're filming him he's up on like a crate or something so that the way they're filming him it looks like he's on the, the edge of the roof but he's not and he decides to go onto the edge of the roof and he's and they're asking him to get down and he's pointing at the director he's like you said I could do this and the director's like no I didn't say that and it's a little scary and I bet you that's what it's like to be with Danny all the time. Being with Danny all the time is a little scary. So while he's in Mexico City, they start doing, um, they're doing the voiceovers for the show, the the Spanish dubs. And Danny's watching. I don't know why he has to be there for the voiceovers, but okay. And he sees a scene, that scene from when Gretchen had those strippers, and he's pissed again. Um... Gretchen says that, that things were, so they go back to therapy because they haven't been to therapy since, um, since the show's been over. That's something we should talk about. Is the therapy just for the show? I didn't think it was. And Dr. G doesn't act like it just is, but maybe it is. So Dr. G, they're telling him to Dr. G and Gretchen says that when the filming of the first season was done, things were pretty bad. They got better, really, really good. And now they're back to bad. Danny looks at her like he doesn't even know what the fuck she's talking about. He's like, what? He does apologize. He says, I'm sorry, I didn't know this. But the fact that Danny is shocked that Gretchen is saying we are back to really bad and Danny doesn't even realize it is, I like I said before, I think it's a testament of the fact that Gretchen's not a great communicator and Danny doesn't listen anyway. So Danny wants to talk about being in Mexico City. They had vodka in his room for him and a full mini bar, which again, the people who were organizing this should know a little bit about Danny. And as Danny's got to have a writer of some sort, he has to, like when people are making, arranging things for him, I think it's Gretchen that does a lot of this stuff. Someone should be like, okay, uh, yeah, you, so you've got him a room. Great. I need you to, can either, I need you to make sure his room doesn't have a mini bar in it, or that's something that she does before the, um, before the trip. And I'm only saying she does this because she acts like his assistant a lot of times. She arranges things like that, not as a wife, but someone should be calling and saying, uh, you're gonna have Danny Bonaducci there next week and clear the fucking mini bar. He doesn't need a mini bar in that room. And but anyway, so he had a mini bar and he said he was crying and he was talking about how he's sweating and he calls Gretchen and Gretchen's like, I'll call you back. And what he's trying to get to is that she seemed un, she seemed <laughs> unimpressed. And 
I would venture to say Danny, Danny has called Gretchen a lot with things like that. And she's just been like, okay, what do you want? Like, this isn't her first rodeo there. But Dr. G kind of interrupts him. And it's like, well, did you call your sponsor? And Danny takes umbrage to being interrupted. Got it. Me and him would never get along. I interrupt everybody. It's not, a, it's not my fault. I just, I'm really excited to be in the conversation. And so, um, they start yelling at each other and, you know, Danny's telling Dr. G if he sticks up, if he, if he stands up, he better be bigger than him. And I'm like, Danny, you're so short. He's going to be bigger than you. You're not even doing steroids anymore. You, you kind of slimmed down a bit. He's going to be bigger than you. And Dr. G says he's not scared of Danny. And basically, Danny threatens him, and, and and Dr. G says that Danny is hard to work with, and Danny's like, well, then fuck it, leave, there's the door. Um, by the way, Dr. G lost some weight. He did. He bought a, he, he's wearing clothes that are more fitted to him. He saw himself on TV is what happened. And he got a haircut. He looks good. He looks damn good. You know who else saw herself on TV? Gretchen. Gretchen's, this happens a lot with reality TV especially if you're not used to it at all. Um, not on housewife shows, but on shows where it's not about glamor and stuff. What happens is the first season, you just show up places and you, th- and you think you look fine and you do look fine. You look real life fine. You don't look fine on TV because you don't have any makeup on, your hair looks weird and you look fine for being a mother to bopping around town in your white minivan. But then you see yourself on TV and you're like, fuck, those hats are stupid damn, I look bad in this. I look tired. And you didn't feel tired. It's just the camera. That's what it is. So Gretchen is like putting on makeup and she's got her hair done. Somebody's actually dyeing her hair besides her. So Gretchen's looking a little better too. Um, Danny is saying he's on step four, but Dr. G doesn't think he's past step one because step one is admitting that you are powerless and your life is unmanageable and... Like all that. And she he doesn't think Danny admits that. Gretchen is talking about kicking him out of the house, which is fucking crazy. Like I said, it's so crazy that Gretchen's like at the point where I want him out of the house. But Danny thinks it's everything's great. I don't know who's to, to blame for that. I think it chooses, it shows that they're not a good couple. Um... So when they get back from therapy, this first therapy session, Isabella runs out of the house to, to Gretchen's car and is like immediately like, where's daddy? Where's daddy? Where's daddy? And Gretchen is like, daddy had to pick up his car. He's coming, blah, blah, blah. And she starts questioning Gretchen about couples therapy, trying to get Gretchen like, well, things are going well. They're going well, right? They're going good, right? And when I talk about my kids, a lot of people think that I am a little strict with them. Um, I don't think I'm very strict with my kids at all. Uh, I let them do all kinds of shit. Uh, we have, I feel like in a lot of ways, I have a loosey-goosey type household. Um, but things like your kid being your best friend and being a part of your relationship are not good. And when you start wrong... It's hard to tighten up. So you can start, like, you can come in and you can start strict and loosen as you go based on what's necessary. But if you start loosey-goosey and try to tighten up, it's too hard. No one wants you to do that. And, 
and they start they have a lifestyle where where she is a part of their relationship where they tell her all sorts of things that are none of her fucking business that they should actually be protecting her from um and so now she's invested in your couple's therapy she's to the point where she knows that when you go to couples therapy and you come back and she knows that everything should be good and it's too much. And I'm sure that if we go, they'll be like, well, we had definitely had her in therapy. You need a different therapist because a different therapist would have told you that you have to stop doing this. It, it, makes, it makes Isabella feel unsafe, even though she can't verbalize that to you. It makes her feel unsafe because you guys are not controlling the situation. So she thinks she has to. That's one. Two. As she gets older, it's going to be so fucking hard to parent her because she's been parenting you for so long. She knows better than you. It really bothered me. I, I think the, the thing that bothers me most about Breaking Bonaduce, and it's also the reason why, if you look at all those um, shows I was talking about for season three of Bly Pumpkin, they're all shows that are not serious because this show serious me out. Like, I can't do a celebrity rehab after this. I can't do... Um, I want to do celebrity rehab where Carrie Ann Panesh, Panesh, I think that's her name, and that black uh, nurse got into a fight and I'm on black nurse's side. I, I'm ready for that. That's, I, I want that. But I think the darkest part of Breaking Bonaduce is Isabella. And also, I feel like Isabella watched every single episode of the show. I bet she watched the first season, like, when she was that age. Mm-hmm. All right, so when Danny gets back, he's pissed, he's yelling. Um, again, when he went into therapy, he didn't know that he was in a bad marriage and now he he just found out. <laughs> and they're filming the assistant because they've got an assistant. So I guess there's an assistant that works with Gretchen, with house stuff and all that. But Gretchen assists Danny, so that assistant also assists Danny. So uh, that's the setup, I believe. But anyway, she's trying to call to get a reservation and you can hear Danny yelling in the background. Gretchen asks the producers to turn production to turn her mic pack off and they go in the room and talk quietly. And when he comes out, Danny goes, everything's good. Everything's fine. Gretchen just kicked me out and he's stomping around the house. And from what I can tell, I guess Gretchen got him his own place because she's giving him the info about where he's going. And Isabel's asking where he's going. And Gretchen is saying it's fine. And Isabel's saying it's not fine. And... Danny ends up driving away in his new hot rod and the cameraman asks to hop in and he says no. So there's a lot of footage of him calling her and begging to come back and begging for her to say she misses him. He's not going to psychiatrist. He doesn't have a sponsor. He's not working the steps. And this is why he put her out. She, he, she put him out. At some point, Dr. G begs Gretchen to let him have a meeting. Excuse me, not Dr. G. At some point, Danny begs Gretchen to let him have a meeting at the house with his sober group. Um, it's not... They're not calling themselves an AA group or anything like that. It's a sober support group. Um, that's why I'm having a hard time with the terminology. I I think that they gave them an awkward title because they can't say like the names of what they really are. Like, like they will be a support group for a certain like facility or something like that. So he doesn't want them to basically Danny wants to go to his nice big house that he pays for. He later, he calls it the house that Danny built. And I was like, you didn't build that. They're like, you guys just bought it slash rented it. And like, you didn't build it. Calm down. Um, 
But he's like, he has that. He doesn't want them to go to the shitty apartment he's living in. He'd rather host at the home. So Gretchen gets herself together and leaves with the kids. And the entire support group comes in one van. And that made me feel like they were a rented support group. Because think about it. If you're just having a meetup with your regular, my mom calls it her home group, her home group, then you just give them the address and you guys come. Right? You don't all show up in a green van, commuter van. Or is the group, does the group meet kind of far away from where Danny lives? And so they just got a van to pick everybody up and bring them there. It just looked weird. So Danny thinks he's doing good works here. He and Amber from Teen Mom believe that by being on TV fucked up, they are saving people's lives. And they believe that because people come up to them all the time and say things like that. I'm not saying it's not true that the people come up to say that. I'm not saying what the people are saying when they come up isn't true. I'm saying that a lot of times people exaggerate. And if someone saw you on TV fucked up and that got them to go to rehab, you didn't save their life. Like, you didn't offer them any support or anything like that. Like, let's say... I. When people are telling their addiction stories, sometimes they exaggerate or sometimes they add poetic justice. Poetic justice. That's a fucking movie with Janet Jackson and Tupac. Sorry. Poetic license sometimes to make things all come out. So like if someone were an alcoholic and they got into an accident and they smashed into a pole and they got arrested and that like was like, let them know they are an addict and it, and it brought them an addict and it brought them down. It, it put them down the path to sobriety. They might tell you in a meeting or in some sort of story format that that pole saved their life. No, it didn't though. <laughs> Don't take it literally. No, it didn't because when we get to the point with the pole, there's still a lot of work to be done. And I think that when you tell people like Amber and Danny that they save people's lives, they take it literally and they're li- and they really, really think that they are. And then they use that to justify more bad behavior because them being on TV messed up save people's lives. One of the members confronts Danny about all of the middle of the night texts saying he's gonna kill himself. He's been in different hotel rooms. He's acting erratically. They think he's getting high. Um, so they ask him for a drug test and they go get one and they search him. They search him and send him in there to do it. But he doesn't get the results right away. That's weird. I don't It's episodes later that we get the fucking results. So at one point, Danny calls Isabel. So they're out and about Danny's out about filming. He calls Isabel, probably on her phone, to tell Isabel to, or maybe on her um, room phone. I don't, it's 2005 or 2006. I don't know whether she's got a cell phone or not. But he tells Isabel to go downstairs and tell Gretchen, because Gretchen's on the phone, that he really needs to speak to her and to call him back. And I'm like, okay, do they not have a call waiting downstairs? What's going on? Um, so Isabel does that. And Gretchen is very curt with him and like, what do you need? What's going on? Okay, I'll talk to you later. She's not going to talk to him right now. And especially because you sent her daughter downstairs to tell, to tell her to call daddy. And she knows it's not an emergency. Um, 
and he's just he's just very it's very manipulative you brought the child into it and then when she's not giving you the time of day on the phone he's all like if you ever feel like you miss me call me and tell me and now and after that happens he looks up and he sees the cameraman and now danny is super mad about being recorded he asked if they recorded him and the guy goes yeah we're filming like but the way he says it is like yeah dummy we're filming here this is the whole thing we're out with you filming you're here with the camera crew yeah and danny gets to get mad he's he's demanding to get rid of it um he's screaming at people he's threatening people and they say okay we'll 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 delete it and they obviously didn't because it's on the fucking show the thing is danny's not in charge of filming he's the subject he doesn't own the show even though it's called breaking down bonaducci he doesn't own the show and they can lie to him. After, once he agrees to film, they can say whatever they want to. And this happens a couple times throughout season two, just like it did in season one, where he thinks he's in charge of what's going to be filmed. And he's absolutely not. And also, the, 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 the conversation wasn't that private. It's all types of shit we hear Danny say to Gretchen all the time. So maybe there was something separate there that, that he really didn't want to be on the show and they did cut it out. But... I don't know. I just, it just felt like he was throwing a temper tantrum. So what's happening now is that Danny is getting an award from the Harvard Lampoon, which is a publication. It's about comedy. Conan O'Brien was, I guess he was the editor. There's, there's a lot of famous people who went to Harvard for comedy who uh, are a part of this organization and they've decided to give um, Danny Man of the Year. Now, Danny should be suspicious of this because the whole time he's about to get this award, I mean, he's like, I'm getting an award from Harvard. I'm like, no, you didn't award from, I mean, it is, I don't know, it's a big deal, but you're not getting a diploma from Harvard. You're not getting an honorary degree from Harvard. You're getting an award from an organization at Harvard. That's, I don't know. But the thing that bothered me about this is throughout the whole thing, it seemed like they were making fun of Danny. It seemed like they were like, you were on TV, shirtless, skateboarding, and we thought it was so funny when you were crying and talking about killing yourself. And we just want to give you Man of the Year award. And... It might have been because I've been listening to Swindled. If you guys listen to my bonus episode with Kara on Tiger King, Tiger, she she suggested that I watch that I listen to Swindle podcast. I did. I love it. It's not long enough for me, but I love it. The only episode I couldn't get through, I'm all caught up now. The only episode I couldn't get through is the one where they talk about bum fights, where uh, and girls gone wild. And I know the story of bump fights, which is where these San Diego teens um, paid these different home, these two homeless men to do terrible things to themselves and film it and like get tattoos on their face to say bump fights. And I mean, they paid them like $5 here and $10 here. And on average, they paid them $10 to like throw themselves downstairs and stuff like that. Then they packaged it with some, with some partners and sold it on the internet and it sold like a billion copies. Um, the reason I couldn't get through it, and I know girls, I know who fucking Joe, whatever his name is, 
uh, do you guys remember when the Kardashians used to take calls from him from jail? <laughs> um, the reason I couldn't get through it is that Swindle uses, Swindle uses like audio a lot, a lot of audio from like different sources. And I could not listen to that shit eating. He had a shit eating grin. I could hear it in his fucking voice. That fucking kid going, Hey man, Hey man, you want to help me out? You going to help me out? Um, yeah, like I got $5 and I just, I don't know, maybe you could like throw your, throw your face, throw yourself down these stairs. Like they set his hair on fire and you listen, you're hearing it. They set his hair on fire and then get him to drink from a beer bottle full of piss. And they're just think it's so funny. They're like, how do you like that beer? Is it good? Like I could not listen to it. I, I can't, I can't do that. I can't be around people who are, who think they're being laughed with and they're being laughed at. I, that's not, that makes my fucking stomach turn. And so the scenes where Danny's going to get his award, that's how I felt. But it's a big plot point because he's got to go to Boston, obviously Harvard, and he is, he wants Gretchen to go with him because it's the biggest award he's ever gotten in his life. And I'm like, this is not, this is not a prestigious award. The fact that it's associated with Harvard does not make it, Harvard does not make it a prestigious award. Think about what you're getting it for. Think about who's giving it to you. They're using you to be a dancing bear. Okay. And so he goes and he has a good time. You know, Danny loves, Danny loves attention. He, he accepts the word naked. You know, he loves being naked. There's a Q and a where someone's like, what does your butt look like? And he, shows them their in the bud and they're like, you know, just, but the problem is Danny wants us to be a romantic trip because he's seen the movies. When people want to save their marriages, they go to Hawaii. So he's going to make a romantic trip to Boston. And throughout the day, it is kind of romantic. He is kissing her. Um, she does get ready and she shows up and he puts her on the spot at the Q and A when they're like, are you guys still together? And he's like, no, he, he, he's like, Gretchen, are we still together? And she's like, we're working on it. And no, they say, how is your relation? How's your marriage? And he goes, honey, how's my marriage? And she goes, we're working on it, which is a very diplomatic answer considering he's not living at the house now. But he decides, he's like, actually, you see that mansion? She lives there now. And like he, it's very embarrassing. He calls her out. Um, then they go on like a party bus. I've only been on a party bus one time and it was terrible. Um, and I knew it was going to be terrible. I don't know why I went there. Like... They got kicked out of a strip club. Too much. Um, anyway, so <laughs> it's fucking terrible. <laughs> it was I can show you pictures from that night. <laughs> anyway, so um they go on the party bus and they go out to like a club and he's playing music and he is kissing Dan uh Gretchen a lot and like even while he's playing music, he's kissing in front of the stage. And the thing is when this happens, Gretchen thinks she's having a nice time. She's like, oh, we're having a nice time together. And Danny's like, we're back together. So they go back to the hotel room and it's supposed to be two hotel rooms because Gretchen wanted, he said, she, if something happened, Gretchen wanted him to be able, her to be able to go to her own room and get away from him. But they're in the same room. And what we see is them having an argument where he's threatening to go downstairs and sleep, I guess in the lobby of the hotel. And cause she won't invite him to bed. 
And this is what I'm talking about when he's so fucking selfish and ridiculous. He, he wants to be invited to bed. He, he wants, he tells her that like, so before what happens first is that people are recording because you're filming a fucking show and Danny's like somebody in this room, you better back up. You better back up. You won't, you, uh, is this how you want it to be? This is get bad. This is get bad. And he like takes off his shirt to fight the, to fight the, the camera guy. And I'm just like, you agree for these people to be here. We all know you're having marital problems. We all know she won't fuck you. Why are you acting? Like, this is a private, like, <sighs> anyway, later on, they pick up at like three o'clock in the morning, which I'm just like, she's probably fucking exhausted. And he's like, you know, I look like shit and people think I'm crazy and I haven't been sleeping because I miss my wife so much. People think I'm on drugs, on drugs. Yeah, Danny. Yeah. You do a lot of drugs. So people think you're on drugs when you act weird. That's how it's going to be. But he says it like. He says it like I would say it. Like, like guys, my drug of choice is gravy. <laughs> I don't, I don't do drugs. Nobody offers me any drugs. I've never been offered coke. Never. I probably seem like a narc. I'm not gonna deny it. I probably seem like one. So no one's ever been like, "Hey, you want to do a little bump of coke?" Never. Have they, they've been like, "Hey, do you want to go to a buffet?" And I've been like, already on my way. <laughs> so, so I'm, so when it comes like. I think I have to do tomorrow night. I have a friend who, who lost her job right before all this happened. Was devastated by it. Um, her boyfriend ghosted her about a month, about a week and a half before all this quarantine thing happened. I worked with him in some capacity. He's not dead, so he's just ghosting her. She lives at home with her um, Vietnamese mother, who's very like old school. And um, when I say she lives at home, she really takes care of her mom. She, she, if she left there, her mom would not be able to be able to afford to stay in her home. But she takes care of her mom, and she's got a sixteen-year-old brother who's trying to break quarantine every five minutes, and she just she's stressed the fuck out, and she's lonely. And I've talked, been talking to her on the phone and it's not cutting it. And I'm really worried for her. So what I'm going to do tomorrow night and the reason I can't record a podcast, is I'm going to, dr- I'm away from my kids to go to sleep. I'm going to drive over to her house and I'm going to park my car next to her car and I'm going to roll down the window a smidge. I'm going to wear my mask or my scarf since apparently I can't find my mask and she's going to sit in her car and drink a beer and she wants me to drink a beer too, but I don't drink like that unless it's like a drinking a beer in a driveway doesn't appeal to me. I'm going because I want to see her. Like if she forces me, I will have a half a sip of beer, but I, I'm just not turned on by that. Sour cream. Yes. Beer. No. And so why am I on this fucking tangent? Oh, Danny says they think I'm on drugs the way I would say they think I'm on drugs, knowing that I don't even know what heroin looks like. You know what I'm saying? Like people have a reason to think you're on drugs, Danny. So anyway, he's like, so I look like she should say, my wife should say to me, you look like shit. Please, honey, come to bed. And then I will come to bed. And I'm like, <sighs> and Gretchen says the thing. Gretchen says like, dude, um, I don't want to be close to you when you act like this. 
And if it's going to be like this, I should go. See, what I think would happen with Gretchen is between seasons. So everybody's, the way Danny acts has always been an open secret, probably amongst her. Um, the same girl I'm going to go see tomorrow. She used to date a guy that I hate it. I hate it. I knew he was abusive. She, it took her a long time to tell me he was. It took me a long time for her to like, just, to just like lay it out. But I remember well before I knew about that, just the way he used to talk to her. I'd be, and, and she'd be like, hey, so she told me all this shit about her boyfriend. And every time she'd be like, I don't think that's cool. No, he shouldn't talk to you like that. Yeah, if somebody accuses you, of, like if every time you go to the grocery store, he accuses you of like uh, dicking down the cashier, it's because he's, because he's doing things he shouldn't do. If he, oh, he won't let you have a Facebook. I mean, you shouldn't have a Facebook, but he won't let you have one. Okay, well, like, and so when it came time to like meet him and be around him, I was like, oh, I don't want to be around him. And she was like, why? I was like, I said, because I don't think he's good for you. And I think he's extra. And I think that, and he sounds abusive. And she had, she wasn't even telling me about the physical abuse at the time. So I just don't want to be around him. It was an open secret what he was like. And when she finally laid it on me, what he was actually like, I, I had already felt, I felt those fucking vibes from him. It was really hard for me because like she's telling me the story of what he has done and I just start crying. I'm not a big crier, guys. I, I'm not saying I never cry, but I'm just like listening to her story and nodding and crying. And she asked me why I was crying. I was like, I'm crying because I'm imagining you on the floor of that closet where he's beating you with a gun and you think you're going to die. And you're, and I'm crying because you're going to tell me, you're about to tell me about how you guys are going to get back together. And I, there's nothing I can do about it. And I just had to really be team her. I had to be team her, but be very clear about my boundaries and about like, I don't want him. She babysits my kids. She loves my kids. He can never, he could, while they were dating, I was like, if, if, if I even, I'm going to ask my kids and they're bad liars. If, if that dude is around my kids, you will never see them again. I don't, I'm not going to be around him. I like I was just very clear about my boundaries and I didn't lie about things but I had to try to stay open because if she needed help I needed her to come to me and I needed to be there for her and I bet Gretchen had a lot of people in that position with her where it was kind of like we don't like this but we can't talk too much shit because she's gonna tell him and then he's gonna be trying to kill us and then also we have to stay open. We can't let her close the door on us because then when she needs us, she won't be there. And I bet between season one and season two, a lot of people finally saw his behavior on TV and a lot of people were like, no, uh-uh, uh-uh. Because Gretchen feels very much different this season. Anyway. Um, so, like I said, it takes forever for Danny's drug test to come back. It's like two episodes later, it's clean. And he's like, looky here. And I'm like, yeah, it's not, so it's not drugs. So this is a mental thing. This is a mental illness. Um, he sees a psychiatrist. He's not taking his, he, dude, he's not taking his pills. The psychiatrist is emphasizing that you have to take the pills I've given you the way I've prescribed them. And you have to work with me. My kids have psychiatrists too. Um, like I was telling you guys on my bonus episode, my little one's like having, a, he's going through it these days. He was in his room all day today. Today, he was so mad at me. He was like, I just want a second chance. And I was like, sometimes you don't get second chances. 
I've been giving you third and fourth and fifth chances this last past week. And today I decided that the first time I wasn't going to do it anymore. Like that's the thing about second chances. You don't know when they're coming. But anyway, um, like I talked about on the Prince's Diaries about how he's been going through it because of the structural changes in his life and um, no school and his schedule was off and also his meds are changing. And I have never had a psychiatrist myself. Um, like I, I never had a relationship with a psychiatrist like this. And it is a give and take. It's a try this. Let's see how this makes you feel. Let's like, you have to be in continuous contact when you're trying to figure out what's going to work and you do have to take it as prescribed and they're going to ask you about side effects and how do you feel? And you're going to tell them, well, you know, this makes me very sleepy and I can't do this or I'm having facial tics or, um, I'm still very depressed or whatever it is. And they're going to tweak things. Maybe they're going to give you a little more or a little less, or they're going to add something or they're going to take something away. And it takes time to get on the right meds for anything, even if it's just ADHD. And I know I can't, I'm not saying ADHD is, is nothing, but even with that, even if you get to the point where on ADHD, you, you're going to be medicated, you can't, it's not even like you just walk in and they're just like, here's some drugs or it shouldn't be like that. It really is a relationship between you and the psychiatrist. And Danny's not doing that. He's not taking his drugs as prescribed and he's not allowing psychiatrists to work him into like a med regimen that works. Um, you gotta be honest about what you're taking. You have to, you have to be consistent with your visits and, and be talking about what's happening and, and be adjusting as you go. And eventually you'll get to something that works really well for you. And then if it stops working, you'll go like, so for my kids or for all the foster kids I've ever had, when they're on psych drugs, they have to see a doctor every three months. That's, that's very normal. Um, even ADHD, you, I, they can give you three prescriptions, but they expire after today. So it doesn't matter. Um, and then before you, after you get that third prescription, you will be seeing the doctor again and you won't get a prescription. They, they, they can't do that. And so, well, they can, but they, they're trying to keep licenses and shit. So, but it's an ongoing process. You will see your doctor more than once a year. <laughs> and, and the, we always do blood work once a year. We, <laughs> he always does a thing where he has the teachers and care, other caregivers write, uh, fill out forms about behavior and about observations once a year. This is like maintenance. It's not just the, here's some drugs. Good luck to you, man. And that's how Danny likes to do it. Cause Danny's also one of those people that probably goes to a therapist and goes, why well, didn't tell her the truth? I lied to her and she didn't know I was lying to her. She's a bad therapist. Why are you wasting your fucking money like that? How the fuck is she, is she supposed to guess what the fuck is wrong with you? I know so many people who have done shit like that. Anyway, the Danny goes back to therapy. He apologizes to everybody in the room. Danny's a great apologizer. And by episode four, Danny's been out of the house for 30 days. And he says he wants to help with the house stuff and the kids stuff and a little extra to help Gretchen out. Um, and he takes Dante out to do stuff. Dante... You guys know Nanny 911 is back? Is it Nanny 911 or Super Nanny? There were two shows. Nanny 911 had four nannies and they would be like, 
Miss Patterson is very, Mrs. Patterson is very good with, with kids that throw food. We'll send her. It was stupid. But uh, Super Nanny, Super Nanny's back. And Dante needs Super Nanny. He's three and four years old. That's why I'm guessing his age group. He's going to preschool. Um, he's, he's probably about to turn five or just turning five. And he... He's screaming, like literally he's screaming bastard at the p p pigeons. He has terrible fucking language. <laughs> I hate little kids with bad language. I hate it. And once they start cursing, it's really hard to get them to stop. Um, so it's really hard when they're like two-ish and they're really like, you know, they're, they're really learning to verbalize their lives and they curse and you think it's funny and you laugh, you'll never get them to stop because they think it's funny. And Don, oh, so annoying to me. So, um, and he takes Isabel out. It was just like stuff like that they were saying. Um, They all go out to dinner, including the kids. So Gretchen, Danny, and the two kids. And Isabel says she's the happiest person on the planet. And they're having a very good talk. Like, just, they're being nice to each other. They're getting along. It's, it's fun. And Isabel come, Isabella walks up to Danny and says, you're coming home in four days. And Danny's like, ah, that's not going to happen. And Isabella gets very upset. And they end up leaving. But it's one of those scenes where I'm like... Danny doesn't, let's say this, Danny doesn't always get it right. I feel like a lot of times he does not shut Isabella down and he's the only one who can. Uh, Gretchen can't do it. Um, and this is one of the few times I was like, good Danny, tell her you're not coming home in four days. You're coming home when you're coming home. Um, I think I would have added a second thing that's a, I, I would have also added and been like, you know, this doesn't really have anything to do. I understand that she missed me and everything, but this is not something that you're in charge of that you can push, that you can make go faster or go slower. It's, you have no control over this thing. And, and is there something that I know you miss me at home? Is there something that I can do that can make things easier? Um, maybe she, or maybe she's saying something like, I wish you, I miss you driving me to school. Maybe he could drive her to school. Like, let's talk about actionable things. Let's not, let's, let's focus on, on things we can do to help her that are actionable instead of just, just her walking around being like, he should be here. Now by episode five, Danny's back at the house, but he has to stay in the guest room and he's humiliated by this. It's a little tiny guest room. I give him that. But they've made it, I keep saying he lives in a mansion. A mansion. And it is a mansion, I guess. But, I mean, your gate's broken, which they show us every time you guys drive out of it. And, and you can't tell me that this mansion has four bedrooms. It may have five. Because Gretchen has a really big office so you know what that's probably a bedroom so I guess maybe the the room that Danny's sleeping in is supposed to be the office I don't know but 
they've made the problem worse by fitting in like this a ton of furniture in this little ass room. And like I said, Danny's humiliated. He doesn't know how you go back to being head of a household after being on a two month timeout. And when he even gets there, Isabella is like, don't worry, mom says you don't have to stay in the guest room forever. She's whispering to him. He's like, huh, who said that? And she's like, mom, she told me a couple days ago. And he's like, well, you know, it's up to her. And so Isabella misses you, right? But here she is trying to navigate your way back into your marital bed. Why is she involved in your, in whether or not you and Gretchen are fucking? This is, this is what I mean when I say they're in a throuple because It's one thing for her to be like, my parents are fighting. I don't want that. I want my family to be together. It's also another, it's fine for her to be like, I don't want my dad not to live in my house. I want to see him. I don't like being away from him. I want him to take me to school and be here when I get home and be here at night. I want to be around my dad. That makes sense too. I want my dad to be able to have sex with my mom. This is none of your business. Absolutely none of your business. And... It's also a weird thing for her to make it her business. I, I've, I've, you know what? I've talked about this too much, but I'm just saying like that whispering, don't worry, you're, gonna, you're not gonna have to stay in the guest room forever. Oh my God. And also the, I'm, how can I go back to being the head of household when I was on a timeout? Like you put Dante on a timeout. Well, then don't act like Dante. <laughs> don't scream bastard and, and shit your pants. Like, Act like a fucking adult. And regardless of where you live, you're Dante and Isabella's father. They need to respect you as so. You're not being, res like, the respect you get from Dante and Isabella is not contingent on the fact that you swing the big dick in the house. You're their father. Are you, did you stop being their father somehow? Ugh, whatever. I mean, there is this, a scene where Danny and Dante cop, photocopied Danny's dick. And I would be so pissed off if my husband put his dick on my copier. I'd be, I'd be like, why? What are you, fucking child? The other thing is, Danny acts like he's in his guest room like he's a boarder. Like he rents this room and that's the only place he can be. He could be anywhere. He could, he could be in the living room. All, he could spend all his time in the common areas. He'd be in the kitchen, living room. Uh, Gretchen's in the office. Go in the office and talk to Gretchen. The out, outdoor area, go outside. Go hang out in Dante's room. You keep saying you live in a mansion, the house that Danny built, then go explore the fucking house. Oof. Um... We also get a scene of Isabella telling Gretchen that, like, I can't believe you made daddy leave. And Gretchen was like, well, it was the right thing to do. And Isabella's like, it's not the right thing to do. The right thing to do is to go to double therapy. And again, you are a fucking child. You are not in charge of my marriage. I, I, I'm just imagining if one of my children did that. I, if one of my children was like, well, maybe if you suck daddy's dick a little more, <laughs> I would probably lose my shit. You are not a part of that relationship. You are not a part of that relationship. Mind your fucking business. I get, I lose it, not lose it, but I get annoyed when 
my kids speak to adults. Like we're out walking and stuff. One of my foster kids will just start talking to adults like they're at their homes. Like someone will be washing their car and he'll just start talking to them. Be like, you have a nice car. Where'd you get it from? Blah, blah, blah. When's your birthday? And I'm like, what? You don't know that man. I'm not speaking to him. Why are you speaking to him? But this is also an ingrained thing that's, that's a little different. Um, he just, uh, like I said, I've said before when I've talked about this particular foster kid, he just, um, he was the man of his house. And like, he does things like small things that I'm just not used to. That like, like if we get out the, the car at Target, he just walks to Target. He doesn't, he doesn't think he has to wait for me at the car. He walks ahead of me. Which is strange to me because you don't know, you have to go where I'm going. You don't know where I'm going if you're ahead of me. You should be with me. Like I've, I've had to like retrain him and his brother to be like, you wait for me and you follow my lead, not the other way around. No, you, I, my, one of my sister-in-laws, I was in the car with her. I was in the, I was in the target with her and, and her kids and th- she was pushing the cart and one of her kids just went to a shelf and picked something up and put it in the basket. And I just looked at her, I was like, why do you do that? She goes, oh, cause he wants that. So he doesn't have any money. Well, why is he putting things in the basket? I, and maybe I'm too strict, but I don't think so. I just, I can't imagine being someplace with no money and putting something in a basket. Well, how am I going to pay for that? I put things in a basket when I can, when I can afford it. <laughs> oh, I, anyway. Um, I basically Danny wants out of this room and he feels like Gretchen's trying to make him pay for his past misdeeds by staying in the room and humiliating him. And he says that if she keeps trying to do that, he's going to, it's going to go badly because he's going to start doing, he's going to go back to the women. Then he's going to do the drugs and he's going to start drinking. And then it's going to be the drugs. And I think that's an interesting way to put it because a lot of people in addiction start the drugs and then they start cheating because in the addiction, you'll, you'll do all kinds of things. Um, think nurse Jackie. <laughs> so maybe I should rewatch that. No, I got real mad at Nurse Jackie about halfway through that. So no. So I think it's interesting that Danny starts with the girls, not the drugs. Mm. Um, we get a lot of footage of Danny singing a song about how much he hates Gretchen and she's a whore and he's going to go to North Carolina, find a new vagina and jumping on the bed, all kinds of stuff like that. He's a child. Uh, but they do go to church and they feel closer together. Oh, Danny's supposed to be watching the kids. You know, I skipped a lot of Danny's kids sing, but this one I watched. He's supposed to be watching the kids and like a couple of friends or whatever. And he gets Dante a gun. It's an aerosoft gun, but I, Dante's five. He doesn't need this. And like, Danny, you want this. This is, again, this does not serve Danny. This does not serve Dante. It serves you. It serves your, it serves your, uh, your visions of having a son. That's what it serves. I bet you didn't buy Isabella uh, an aerosol gun when she was five. And think about why that is. Um, so while he's babysitting, he takes the kids off into the hills to shoot at coyotes. And they bring, they rub bacon and put bacon on a dog to use his bait. I fucking hate Danny. <laughs> um, so by episode seven, he's back in the bedroom. And... I don't know if they're having sex, but he's at least being able to sleep in the bedroom. That makes him so much happier. Um, 
and Danny's talking about his dad. He says that even no matter his dad was a rageaholic, but no matter how mad his dad was, he admired his dad because his dad bent people to his will. He got what he wanted by being that mad. And Danny talks about his father beating his brother so badly that he didn't have any facial features anymore. His face was so swollen, you couldn't see his eyes. His nose was misshapen. That's fucking tough. That is tough. Imagine living in a place where and a parent could sound as unusual as we think it is. He talked he asked his dad why didn't he beat him as much as he did the other kids and his dad said he didn't like him enough to beat him. Also his dad died in 2004 because later Danny goes to his grave. It's 2006. Danny's dad died just 2 years prior. I wonder if they were like in touch with each other if he, if he was still married to his mother. You know I don't think I can watch like somebody I'm in a uh a romantic relationship beat children in front of me and and be cool with it but I don't know I don't know if she was a victim herself and scared to leave and intimidated from leaving but if they were still together when he died in 2004 I have a lot of questions so Gretchen thinks Danny's just like his dad Danny says he's a poor imitation of his dad and he also says that he doesn't need to get drunk to get violent which is true and he needs anger management but he says he doesn't want to go um Gretchen so what happens is Gretchen has a show with her band and Danny goes to it remember the previous season he showed out at the show he was fighting people he was trying to fight people he was worried that people were gonna fuck his wife (laughs) and this time he's very supportive but what happens at the show is he's drinking he goes up to the bartender and he tries to cover his his um mic doesn't do a very good job of it. it it looks like the cameraman's right there so maybe he thought that by covering his mic the cameraman couldn't hear him especially with the music and everything in there and so he didn't mind that i don't know what i don't know what he thought but he tells you can clearly hear him telling the bartender that when he orders a big glass of cranberry juice to make it sing and the bartender says okay now, when I was a bartender, if somebody were to do that, I I don't, I guess they will want, I would assume that they didn't want the people they would know they were drinking. I would not assume that they were an alcoholic and I was contributing. In fact, I remember one time, it was a slow afternoon bar. I was a, a day shift. Guys, when I used to be a bartender, I used to love to work day shift because I worked in a shitty restaurant bar and... I don't know. I'm, I've never been a night person. I don't like being out at night. I, I don't like, I don't like closing down the bar at 2 a.m. I just don't. I liked having a schedule. So, um, it was an afternoon. I was about to leave. Um, next shift was coming in and a lovely lady came in and she was talking to me. She had a hard day and, and I was just chit-chatting with her and, and she had a few drinks um, nothing excessive. Um, definitely she, she was drinking, but that was it. And she paid her tab and tipped me and said, thank you and left. And a little while later, an older woman comes in and gives me a description and says, have you seen my daughter? And I said, oh, she was just here. And she goes, 
we just left drunk court or something like that. Basically what she's saying is they just got out of court. They just bailed her out or and she's able to come home. She's had like six DUI. She's not supposed to be drinking. She's an addict. She's gonna, she's gonna kill herself. She's the, she, the woman starts telling me how she spent all this money on rehabs and stuff and how, um, the girl, she's got a, a, uh, ankle bracelet that like goes off when like it detects uh, alcohol in your sweat and like she's gonna go back to jail and all this stuff is gonna revoke her bail and I am horrified like that's not something I would have guessed at all from dealing with that woman and the her mom is like well did she pay you a lot of times she just walks out on taps I was like no she paid me and she tipped me She's like, did she tip you? Did she tip you enough? And I was like, yeah, she tipped me fine. It's it a fine tip. She's like, okay. Could you at least tell me what direction she went? And I'm like, yeah, she went that way. And, and like which door of the bar she went out of. And I told her, she says, okay, well, I'm gonna see if I can find her. Like, even a Danny Bonaducci, well, maybe that woman saw him on TV, but even a Danny Bonaducci, I don't know that I would have been, and he would have been like, I just thought he just didn't want people to know he's been drinking. And some people are weird like that. Some people don't ever want to be seen drinking. But also, who drinks a whole fucking tumbler of cranberry juice by themselves? It's weird. Did he have a UTI? So you see him drinking a few times and huge tumblers of cranberry juice. And I'm sure, and I feel like, what, they're three-fourths alcohol? And... Gretchen says he doesn't look good and he lies and she's like do you do you sure you can drive home he's like I'm fine I didn't have anything to drink and she says okay but a producer ends up getting him to let him drive him home reluctantly and he said no cameras in the car but they have audio because they were trailing behind and Danny is just the producer's like prodding him so Danny gets mad at production a lot and I understand <laughs> um they are like they are dicking around with you this guy is in the car talking to you knowing that your audio's on or at least guessing hoping that your audio's on he's trying to make a show and he's not your friend and I can understand Danny being like like I I know I just I'm going I'm contradicting myself but I understand Danny wanting to hold something for himself. I do. I just think that it's too late to hold something for yourself. That's all. But in the car, Danny's saying that um, he it's his nature to fall and he hopes he can be forgiven. At home, he's making a bagel and he looks drunk as fuck. I thought he was going to cut himself with that knife. Um, Gretchen gets home and she can obviously tell he's been drinking. The bitch isn't blind. He toasts her with a bagel and says she's fabulous. Um, that episode seven cuts off as they go behind closed door and she asks if he's okay because he's slurring his words. She's asked if he's okay. Episode eight is the last episode of season two. And by then they open in therapy and Danny is telling the story about how he slipped and started drinking and it's good that he's admitting to it. He's also going to get baptized and he talks about being born again so that he can kill the old Danny and be, be born anew. And his sober buddy's like, no, nah, that's not, I don't give a fuck. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm happy you found God. Yeah, yeah, but that's not gonna keep you fucking sober. And he's just very frank with him. He says, "If you want help, I'm here for you. If you don't, I'm not. The only thing that's keeping me sober is that I just don't. I don't want to wake up again and not know what the fuck I did. I don't want to live my life like that. 
And anytime I think that I can drink, I call somebody to help. That's it. That's, and I mean, he doesn't say one day at a time, but he's very, but he, he's just saying the thing. And that is that right now I want to be sober right this second. And if I feel like I don't, I'm going to call somebody to help. Um, all that other shit is just voodoo and whatever. And Danny's like, I understand it. Cause Danny is really getting back into church. He's reading the Bible all the time and everything. I don't I think I'm not, I hope I'm not like stepping on anybody's religious toes. Cause I, I don't want to offend anybody, but I think religion can be very comforting when you feel out of control because it explains why you're out of control because something or somebody else is in control. Um, And especially the Christian religion or Judeo-Christian religions will tell you that the reason bad things are happening to you is because there is a God testing you and you're passing the test by going through all these things and that your suffering here will be repaid in another life. Um, I'm personally agnostic. I don't know what the fuck happens. Somebody convince me of something. (laughs) Show me some shit and then maybe maybe I'll believe you. But... um, so I can see how comforting it is for Danny to be like, oh, I'm out of control. I see why something else is in control. And you know what? There's a lesson to be learned in this. And you know what else? Um, I can just get rid of that old Danny, jump in his holy water and be a new Danny. And I love beginnings. I love, I love New Year's because I love that renewal aspect of it. I love a Monday. I love a fucking Monday. I love how like, Anything can happen this week. This week is open. Anything can happen. So I get how he feels. I can see myself being convinced of the same thing. I can see myself being like, yeah, I'll just wear white and be dumped in his holy water and I'll start over. I love starting over. But I also see a lot of value in what his what his sober buddy is saying. It's basically like, dude, you can do as many ceremonies as you want. If you're not committed to being sober, none of that's going to work. You have to be committed to being sober. And then he's like, I ain't coming to this fucking baptism. <laughs> so everybody's like, I ain't coming to that shit. <laughs> uh, fuck that. <laughs> but let's start over. <laughs> I just thought it was so funny. I wish that when Tamara on Real Housewives of, of OC, of Orange County, would just, I wish... I wish that when she had her um, her baptism, people were like, I ain't fucking coming to that. <laughs> so Danny takes it all very well. I think he really respects that sober buddy guy. I think that, I don't know. He seems very submissive to that guy. And it might be because that dude's like very clear. He walks the fuck away from this. Well, you're either in it or you're not. If you're not trying to stay sober, then then I don't need to be around you. And, I mean, I respect him, and I'm not even an addict. So, before the baptism, Danny's doctor calls and is like, you need to come over right away. And Danny's, like, talking on the phone and, like, verbalizing, like, what, I already had my results. You have more results? You need me to come right now? Okay, and Isabel overhears him and is freaking the fuck out. And she's crying, and he runs off to the doctor. And... And this is one of the few places I felt bad for Isabella because 
I'm remembering that the reason she thinks I'm I'm feeling empathy for her because because of the way her parents run things, her life is out of control. It feels like somebody needs to take the fucking will. And she wants to be that person. That's how you become a parentified child. You you realize somebody has to do it. And she is really terrified her father's going to die. Something's terrible is going to happen. She's not going to see him again. Her mom's going to put him out. He's he's going to drunk drive. She's terrified. And she is de- you can see her white knuckling the wheel of her life, like trying to turn it. And I just felt bad for this scene, even though like almost every other scene she's in, I hate her. Anyway, so he goes to the doctor. The doctor's like, yeah, you know, you're in really fucking bad shape. You can have a heart attack at any moment now. Um, you got to stop smoking. And it was going to be hard, but it's going to be harder to be a victim of a stroke. And so, guys, my husband, like everybody I know in the world used to smoke besides me because I was a cheap teenager. I was like, I can't have a cigarette. How much is a pack? I can't afford a whole pack by myself. I'm like... I'm committed to going to Hardee's twice a day. I can't do this. And so I've got too many. Uh, Wendy's has a new sandwich. I mean, I can't do it. I can't do it. So, so, but my husband used to smoke. And right now he's smoking again. He stopped smoking. He started vaping. He got down to no nicotine. And he was a little stressed in that. I caught him smoking some cigarettes. And this past weekend, I caught him smoking again. And I talked to my mom about it. And she's like, you got to let him be. And I was like... Because my mom's been smoking since she was 13. And she's finally quit, quit, quit. But it took her years to quit. And those years were not good. And she's like, you don't know because you've never been a smoker. And thank God for that. But she said, if you had been smoking as long as he was smoking when he quit, as long as I was smoking when I quit, you will know, you will always want a fucking cigarette. When When you're stressed out, the first thing you'll think about is how good a cigarette will feel. And it takes a lot of willpower. And... During this time, she's like, people are stressed out and you have got to let them cope the best they can. You can, when this is over, you can, you can be mad at him about the cigarettes and move him back down. But she's like, right now, if he doesn't, if he's not smoking in the house, you can acknowledge that, um, you're upset with him and then let it go. And I've, that's basically what I did because she's right. I don't fucking know what it's like to have to quit smoking, but I like I hate that he's smoking I hate it but I'm also not he's grown I'm not in charge of him I can't my mom also told me to get another life insurance policy on him so you know she's like well just to be prepared (laughs) um so when the doctor tells Danny he's got to quit smoking I'm like oh my god all he does is smoke that's gonna be so I bet it's gonna be harder to quit my mom told me it was harder to quit smoking than it was to quit drugs she said this, the drugs part is so much easier than quitting smoking. And I bet the same would be for Danny. So he leaves. And at this point, Gretchen's parents arrive for the baptism the next day. But they kind of hate him because they're Midwesterners. And, and they're like, don't understand what the fuck is going on there. And Dante's cussing at the table. And her mom and dad are like, what the fuck is going on? And Don, Danny keeps talking about having a second chance with his in-laws. We know it doesn't work out. 
The next day he goes, they go, they all go to the baptism and Gretchen is, he's asking Gretchen what he should wear. And she says nothing with skulls. So he gets dressed and they do a close, close up of his jewelry and it's all skull and crossbones. He's wearing a ring on every single finger and two bracelets and is disgusting. And his mom comes and is like, what is going on? And he says he can't tell her because he doesn't have time. And she says she'll be really happy when people say, I saw your son on a television show and they don't look apologetic. <laughs> when they get to the baptism, they, they there's a speech and then there's a baptism. He's in the water. <laughs> He's wearing all white. He looks incredibly happy. He runs around, he hugs, he kisses everybody. Um, he, there's, so this church, he's been, so you, throughout the season, you see him with the pastor and the pastor is definitely a California mega church pastor. Okay. Um, just whatever, whatever came to mind, that's him. And so it's a white church and there are going to be people that are going to push back on that. I mean, be like, well, it seems like a lot of different types of people go there. Yeah. So if a lot of different types of people go there, it's a white church, a black church, black people go there. That's, that's it. <laughs> it's a white church. And, but I noticed when he's running around hugging everybody, Danny runs and hugs the choir. The choir is all black, which means they imported a black choir. And I know why they did, cause black choirs, hit okay <laughs> i know why they did but i just think it's so interesting that the choir and they're all black and danny hugs them and they let them so whatever i remember um when my dog died mama the dog i had for so long um i had to put her down and i just felt like i stayed in the room because i just felt like it was disrespectful for me First of all, I should have put her down years prior and I never did because out of selfishness, I, that's a, one of the biggest regrets I have. She was blind. She was so thin. She barely even went outside anymore. She, I should have put her down years before. Like I lost her. Well, by the time I got to Austin, she was already blind and at one point and deaf too. And at one point I let her out one morning before I was going to leave and lost her and couldn't find her because one, she's blind. She can't find her way home. She usually doesn't move. I put her out in the front yard and she'd go and then I just come back and get her. But she usually doesn't move. She couldn't see and I was calling her and she couldn't hear me. I'm like crying. It's 6 a.m. I'm running around this apartment complex looking for this fucking dog. My neighbor comes out and helps me. We find her, she's so far. And we live by this huge highway that she'd already almost went into. And like, I should have put her down. I really should have. But by the time I went to put her down, I felt like it was disrespectful for me not to be in the room. So I held her as they, as they injected her and then she died. It was very quick. It's, they put it in, she's gone. And afterwards, the veterinarian and the vet tech both bear hugged me together. And that's not something I would usually allow someone to do to me. So like later when I was telling my mom, I told her and she goes, oh, just two stranger white people. And I was like, yes, it was a moment. <laughs> and so like when I was looking at 
the, the black choir that they imported from Compton or wherever. <laughs> I was like, oh, you're just going to let that strange wet man hug you. <laughs> He's wet. He's crazy. <sighs> and that's the end. That's really the end. And what we know is that the next year in 2007, Gretchen files for divorce. I haven't, I've read like pieces of her book and basically... She just really talks about Danny cheated on her. He moved He moved a woman down the street so he could cheat on her more effectively. Um, he's been a drug addict all their entire relationship. And when they broke up in 2007, within two months, he was dating his next wife. And Gretchen was very supportive of it. She felt like he was better married. And the two of them, um, she, she was planning their trip to Hawaii for them. And Dan, even Danny said that was strange, but he felt like it made things a little easier. I read a couple of interviews from them afterwards. Um, the relationship with the kids was always solid for Danny, but not for um, him and Gretchen. And so, like, so I guess they were, I don't know if they were on Dr. Phil or something, and they're talking about how they're getting, how they'll be divorced and he asks, um, Dr. Phil asks Gretchen, will she be married again? And she's like, probably. She does, she's interested in being married again. And she, he asks Danny and he says, I'll be married three months after this, this, uh, this divorce. And then says, cause he's dating his new wife, the one that ends up being his wife, Amy. He's dating her. And he's like, well, maybe not to her. <laughs> he's just. Danny does better in a relationship. As you, as, as we've seen, he really, really needs to be loved. He really needs, his love language is words of affirmation and physical touch. He needs that. And he doesn't do well being alone. He, he can't be alone. So he ends up being remarried. She does, she doesn't. And that's the end of that. Um, I think she made the smarter choice to be honest. All right, so that concludes my Breaking Bonaducci coverage. Listen, I want to thank you guys for sticking with me this season, and I just really appreciate it. I don't know if you guys realize this, but like this episode's almost two hours long. That means I've been sitting here for two hours talking to myself, and knowing that you're out there and you listen makes me really happy. Um, somebody DM'd me and said it kind of doesn't matter what I'm what I'm talking about. People just want to hear me. Like, they don't really care about the subjects they they care about, like they, nobody cares about what I'm talking about. And I took that as a compliment. I think it was a compliment. And they're basically just saying that like, dude, like we're here for the princess and we'll stay for the breaking Bonaducci. And I certainly appreciate that. Um, again, if you guys can be a Patreon member, it's only a dollar. I'm thinking about raising the price, but if you, if you came in at a dollar, I'm going to always leave you at a dollar. And I, it's incredibly helpful and it means I get to devote time to making this podcast, paying for the things that this podcast requires, and then, um, doing more bonus episodes. So let me know, um, make sure you go to patreon.com backslash buy pumpkin. Make sure you follow me at okay, then princess on Instagram and Twitter. And if you, if you have thoughts about this episode, make sure you follow me at okay. Oh, not that. Oh, make sure you follow me at Buy Pumpkin on Instagram and make sure you comment. Thank you. See you later. Bye.